0: This episode is brought to you by North Texas Honda Dealers. North Texas Honda Dealers, they're here to help.
1: He has time, launches it to the end zone. Touchdown! Terrence Williams!
0: It goes to the right side for Crabtree. It's caught. Oh he plays. Oh, he's going red, 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 red. Puts he the water. Red Raider. Bluesy the 10. him
1: up the right sideline. he's gotta go. He's tackled, Sam Houston wins it. The Bearcats capture their third! championship. Welcome to the Republic of Football Small College Edition. My name is Mike Craven, the college football insider at Dave Campbell's Texas Football, joined as always by our sub FBS insider, Corey Ho. Corey, we are past week 10, heading into week 11, some playoff games we are going to talk about soon in this podcast. How did the time go so quickly?
0: this is, this is crazy. It it always, the time space, time continuum is always weird to me because it, it feels like yesterday the season started. It also feels like the season started three years ago. So it's really, it's hard to keep up. Like I look up and I'm going really playoffs. Oh man. We're already at playoffs at the same time. It's like, my goodness. It's been so long to get to playoffs.
1: (laughs) I feel like, since the pandemic started in 2020, that's how time has felt for me. It's either, you know, like I'll say last week and it'll be 2019. It feels like yesterday. It also feels like 30 years ago, like a different time, you know, and football season's no different where, it does not follow the rules of the space-time continuum, as we said. I don't know who we blame for that. If that's Einstein's fault, if that's Obama's fault, if that's Bill Gates's fault, I don't know uh, who it to blame. Is Elon you know. right now? Is that? Yeah, it's Elon's fault Elon right Musk. now. Yeah. E- don't mention his name, though. He may ban this uh, podcast. So let's not <laughs> let's not get in trouble with our. We're new not
0: impersonating. Over- yeah, him.
1: <laughs> I don't want to get our new overlord in trouble or anything like that. So uh, we will we will fly under the radar as we tend to do. Uh, For people who are new to the format, we review the last week that happened, three or four games, uh, then we preview the week to come. That'll be week 11, uh, playoff games for the JUCO level, kind of finish the regular season for some of the other programs that we're talking about. So in the state of Texas, we have 47 college football programs. 12 of them play FBS football, 35 of them play sub-FBS football. Uh, That'll change in 2023. But for now, those are the stakes. We start in review week 10 mode. Abilene Christian improves to 6-3 on the season in a 28-23 road win over Tarleton. The Texans are now 5-4 and four on the season. A back-and-forth game throughout, Corey. Biggest lead was only 11 points. That was in the fourth quarter by ACU. But for the most part, a one-possession game uh, throughout the four quarters. Maverick McIver was 24-34 of 34 for 330 330- 385 yards and three touchdowns for acu Tolerton ran the ball 47 times for 209 yards Corey, what does this win mean this far into the season for acu this is huge and
0: it the score says 28 23 but it really felt being there it just felt like acu was in control And some of that is Tarleton shooting themselves in the foot there. They drive down the field on the first drive, miss a field goal. First play, Abilene Christian houses it, you know, on their first offensive play. And and then all of a sudden, Tarleton's chasing pretty much the rest of the night. So this win for Abilene Christian, it's big, really big. If it's on the road and they needed a good road victory. Now they go on the road to play Sam Houston. That that game doesn't it matters of game, but in the grand scheme of things for the Wildcats, it doesn't matter because every all their focus is now in two weeks when they host Stephen F. Austin, if they win that game, they are the WAC champs and the A Sun WAC Challenge Champions, however you want to talk call that one, the automatic bid. And and no one would have thought we would be talking about that with Keith Patterson in his first year at abilene christian he did i was always interested i knew he had a lot of talent he brought in a lot of transfer but this team is is definitely a vastly improved squad than they were last year
1: now i'm curious is this as much abilene christian taking a step or two more forward than we thought or is this the whack kind of coming back to the pack at the top more than we thought right like Abilene Christian at six and three. If SF if SFA does what we thought we were going to do or thought what they were going to do, um, does this six and three season have as much impact? You know what I mean? Like it feels like they did kind of a little bit better than we thought, but the rest of the conference, or at least the top end of the conference, didn't do as well. And now Abilene Christian's in this position to to go and achieve some stuff that maybe before the season they didn't even think was possible.
0: No, and you're right. You, you hit that point 100%. Everybody thought SFA was going to run away with it. Well, SFA is not what we thought they were going to be, so they're a little bit further down. Sam Houston, you know, we talked about that. They're going through transition to FBS, so they're trying to redshirt a lot of guys. They they don't even play into the, to the title race now. It's really a weird year. It is very strange in the whack and... So Abilene Christian may be the team that benefits from this, but let's not also sell them short. I mean, this this is a this is a coaching staff, brand-new coaching staff, brought in almost a whole new roster. Maverick, McIver, plus career high in passing yards Saturday. They've got legitimate receivers on the outside. The run defense is a pride. Look, Tarleton ran the ball right anywhere yeah. they wanted to Saturday night. And the numbers show it. and So they've, you know, defensively, there's some things. But look, Adeline Christian, uh, second or third play of the game, the Mike linebacker goes down, and he was the backup Mike linebacker getting the start. So now they're putting a Mike linebacker in that's not even on the depth chart. So, you know, they've had some injuries, but it didn't stop them. They still did enough, and they won that game, and that says a lot for that team.
1: Yeah, ACU averaged 7.6 yards of play. Offense was was awesome. Seems like they're playing their best football of the year right now. Really excited uh, for next week's matchup for them. We will move uh, to our second game uh, of Week 10 that we're reviewing. Angelo State remained undefeated in 2022 with a 22-12 win over Central Washington. The Rams are now 10-0 with a trip to Midwestern State up in Corey's neck of the woods in Week 11. Uh, The only thing stopping them from finishing the regular season unbeaten. Angelo State was shut out in the first half and trailed 9-0, entering the third quarter. Rams quarterback Zach Rockhurst only completed 11 passes, but three of them were for touchdowns. Central Washington was 0-12 of on third down. Corey, are you concerned by the slow start for ASU, or is that just one of those things that throughout a season you're going to play a half, you know, a quarter that's going to be poor, not up to your standard, but you can put that in the rearview mirror
0: we will know the answer to that on Saturday yeah. because what we saw from Angelo state was kind of reminiscent of last year, a little bit, slow start go in at the half, make some adjustments, come out, take over. Well, last year against Midwestern state, they started well, went in at the came out second half and they, in Midwestern state took off on them. So this is really going to be a good test. Can, can Angelo put together a complete game? I, I think part of this we're, this throughout d2 teams don't have a bye this year this is 11 straight weeks that they have been playing a game and and on the 10th straight week you you know it is tough central washington are they good sure are they they're second in the lone star conference but my goodness i mean it's hard to get up every single week and you know we know we're better than central washington is kind of the thing is what's angelo doing so is that a wake-up call because they, they should be excited to come play MSU, especially how the Mustangs beat them at home last year. So that that's going to be interesting to see how that team responds and and prepares because they've clinched star conference championship. So what they're playing for this week is the number one seed in Super Region 4 and the possibility of not having to leave the state of Texas at all for the rest of this season. It's huge. It has a lot of meaning. I'm going to be interested to see how they come out uh Saturday at one o'clock in Wichita Falls.
1: If you're the coaching staff, how do you balance resting some guys that may need it going into the playoffs with the importance of clinching that one seed, as you were talking about?
0: They have been, it, it's, there's been some injuries, uh, you know, uh, Alfred Greer, backup running back kind of splits it with uh, Nate NATO Uh, been kind of an on again off again guy with some injuries some nagging stuff they've kind of been resting him as they go i i don't i, I don't think you can really no. rest guys i don't think you can really focus on that if you're going to get any rest you're going to have to do it during the week which means your preparation has got to be that much more focused don't have that drop off on saturday yeah,
1: not having a bye week is crazy, <clears throat> because it's not just the regular season. It's four weeks of camp going into the regular season. So you're at 14, 15 weeks of just straight football stuff. You have to build in some breaks somewhere, hopefully into the week, maybe Thursday, Fridays, less contact, less physicality uh, than maybe they would do normally. But yeah, I mean, as you mentioned, that one seed is so important that you can't, you can't choose between the two, right? It's not a zero sum game, you gotta you gotta pick one. Um, you know, getting that one seat is is probably more important, but man, um, it's tough well, to play that many football games in a row and not, and not get a break at all.
0: You're already at 15, 16 weeks in, and you're looking at another six plus yeah, weeks,
1: right? Yeah. So, I mean, That's, that's I mean, almost criminal.
0: It, it's almost like you're in the dog days of summer, but yet it's the playoffs and you have to be hyper-focused the whole way. It is really yeah. tough
1: a battle of attrition at the sub fbs levels a lot of times that's a lot of yeah. what what it ends up being is like depth who can get lucky to stay healthy when when you're healthy at the right time um yeah. that kind of stuff so um let's go to midwestern state real quick they won their third straight uh, in a row with a 41 37 victory over texas a&m kingsville a squad that's now on a three game losing streak after starting 7 and 0 on the season kingsville squandered a 7 point halftime lead When the Javelinas were outscored fourteen to three in a decisive third quarter, MSU racked up five hundred and twenty-seven total yards in the win. Red zone efficiency—we talk about this a lot—kind of determined this one. MSU five of six in the red zone. Kingsville only two of four. Corey, what's happened? Let's talk about Kingsville first. What's happened with this Havilina squad? Is it just they—they finally reached the toughest part of their schedule, and and then maybe they weren't as good as that seven and zero start? Or has some things changed for that team that's kind of just fallen off of this last month, month or so
0: option one. Yeah. This schedule is exactly what we were looking for. Cause that's when we knew we would find out about Kingsville and we have, and look, we, not that we found bad, you know, right. they went and played pretty well against Angelo for a half. They, they feel they should have won at central Washington. That's a hard trip. That's a long trip yeah, from Kingsville is. up there. And so that's a hard one to make. And, A lot another thing too, these teams fly commercial to these games. They're not taking charter flights. So it makes it even harder for that. You know, they've got MSU, and MSU has their number. MSU has not lost to them since, I believe it's 2010. You can ask the Kingsville fans because they were putting it on their message boards this weekend. How they're tired of it. They were two for four to the red zone and the, the big one they missed was at the end. They were down at the 10-yard line. That game was to watch. MSU had a 99-play drive to take the lead, and they, they went five plays, all rushing plays, 99 yards, and just don't believe it was to, to put that one there. The, the biggest thing, though, for Kingsville is it, it knocks out any hope of a second conference team being in the uh the playoffs it just it's not gonna happen now uh so angelo state is our lone star conference hope for the playoff
1: yeah. all righty and then our last game from week 10 mary harden baylor extended its winning streak to seven with a 27 24 win over howard Payne. the crew clinched another asc championship with the win Howard Payne fell to 6-3 and on the season with the loss. Howard Payne tied this one up at 24 with 31 seconds left in the game when Landon McKinney found Jordan Carroll for a six-yard touchdown pass. The crew's Anthony Avila made a 44-yard field goal as time expires to give Mary Harden the victory 30 seconds later. Corey, a crushing loss for Howard Payne, but another big win for Mary Harden Baylor. We've talked about this on this podcast before. What does it say about the crew? that they just figure out a way to win these football games.
0: This one this one means a lot. And, and look I I know I got messages and stuff that some of them weren't feeling well, maybe Kyle King wasn't feeling well, Avila wasn't feeling good. And there's a <laughs> flu
1: going around the whole college football landscape in week 2. AM is, had 30 something players gone, Baylor had some um, yeah, so okay. yeah, it makes sense.
0: Yeah, it is. And, and does it play a factor? Sure, it does. But To me, this signifies something else. This is the first time UMHB needed a drive since their loss to to Whitewater in week two. And so they did it. They needed that drive or they to avoid overtime and they executed. They got down. They got in the field goal area. That's what that's what champions do. And so that confidence they get from this is going to be big because now Instead of, hey, we need a final drive. The last time we did this didn't work. It's, hey, we did this. We can do this again. And that's going to play, they can play a big mental part in the playoffs coming up.
1: Yeah, and they get to not only pull on earlier in the year, but just their history as a program, their history of those last couple years. When you win and you win consistently and you're supposed to win and inside the program, that is the standard you come up with these kind of plays. It just It's not coincidence that the champions and the teams that are used to winning come up with winning plays down the stretch. I feel bad for Howard Payne because it feels like they're trying to close that gap, right, with Harden Simmons and Mary Harden Baylor, and it feels like they're right on the doorstep, and it's just that last part of just learning how to finish, learning how to close, and that just comes with experience, confidence, and, and figuring out a way to do it once so you know it's possible.
0: It, it's funny because we always talk about a lot of times it's dudes right? It's about dudes, not formations. Well, right now for, for Howard Payne, it's not about dudes. They've got the dudes. It's the next part. When you get the dudes and you get up where you can compete with the best teams in the country, then it becomes a mentality. And, And football is a lot about physical, but at the top levels to get to that next one, it's that mentality. And that's what you're talking about. That confidence, that belief, they know, there was, I promise you, you can go in there. You were in that. If you were in that huddle before the crew started that last drive, there was zero doubt they were going to get the points and win that game. Neither, none of them in that huddle had a doubt. Whereas on Howard Payne's side, you can't tell me that some of the defensive players didn't go, uh oh. No, so, and if you're, if it rolls were reversed and Howard Payne was on offense and the crew were on defense the defense would have that confidence. See, that's what we're talking about. That's the last that Howard Payne needs. They are so close to getting there. And you know what, they're going to, they're going to break through here because they are right on the tails of Harden Simmons and Mary Harden Baylor.
1: You know, we've all gone through that in our life, right? That's what imposter syndrome is, you know, where you just kind of don't feel like you belong in those rooms yet. And just, you got to convince yourself that you do and and repetition experience and and a couple wins is the only thing that's going to snap that streak. Uh, let's move into week 11, a big week. Do you want to start with some of the FCS games or you want to go straight into Juco playoff
0: stuff? It is up to you, man. We can go wherever you want to go.
1: Let's, uh, let's start with the FCS and we'll close out on the Juco playoff games. We'll start with Tarleton five and four at Utah tech three and six, 2. PM on ESPN plus Utah tech's only won three games this year, but they're on a two game winning streak, including a road win over SFA. Tarleton is on a two-game losing streak after its losses to Sam Houston and Tarleton. Corey, is this the week the Texans get back in the win column?
0: Boy, this is a this is a week that's about the Tarleton Texans. The you know, losing to Abilene Christian not necessarily unexpected, losing at SFA, not unexpected. But now you're playing Utah Tech, another team that's transitioning, you're they're both in third year of transition and And teams that seem to be going in two different directions, Tarleton's lost two in a row Utah Tech not f a on the road they also they they beat southern Utah in an impressive fashion last week, and a lot of teams have not impressive fashion you know so so that win tells me Utah Tech is coming up. This is really a where are they at game for Tarleton and that looking at this with. Where are they in the transition? We know the stadium is gorgeous. It holds a lot of people, but where is the team and where's that program? And Saturday, we find out on the road at Utah Tech.
1: Yeah, it feels like a big win for the program or a big week uh, for the program. Um, Yeah, I mean, how do you kind of prevent those losses to Sam Houston SFA rolling in to become more and more losses?
0: Well, they've got to stop hurting themselves Yeah, is the first thing right now that, you know, Bo Allen is a sophomore and he has started to show that he's not had a lot of collegiate experience at times, but when he's on and he has his accuracy, he's as good as anyone. So there is some learning they're going through right, right. now at the quarterback position and they're able to run the ball. See, that's like, and then when they get down, I think sometimes, and and I don't, I'm definitely not here as people who know way more about football than I ever will. But from a, a fan standpoint, it's tough to understand when you see a team running the ball down the field so effectively, when you get inside the five, why two out of your three plays are pass plays instead of run plays. That's just, I don't understand. I'm sure there is a very valid, I'm not smart enough to know it, but it seemed a little bit odd that you kind of abandon what's working for you down there. Uh, almost like you. And I think a lot of offensive coordinators, I, by the way, I'm like uh, a really, really good Madden player. When I play against my <laughs> six year old, when I, when I'm against Gabe, I'm really good at, at playing Madden. And it's and sometimes I get down the goal line. and I try to get too cute and I try, I can run the ball down there. And then I'm like, Ooh, now's a good time to run a slant pass. Maybe that's what it is. I don't know. That's the closest thing I can come to figuring it out is uh, from my Madden coaching.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think I get it on paper, right? You know, like you start to see the defense creep up. You're like, we got them right where they want them. They know we're going to run the ball. Let's surprise them. The guy's going to be open. But sometimes you just got to stick with what's working and and go with it. That happens at every single level of football, and it's always been a thing that amazes me. Some of it, I think, is you got to prove, you know, that why you're the coach you know, and like that you know more, you know, like I do it in writing. Sometimes you start coming up with clever stuff that's like not useful at all. You know, you get a little too complicated for your own good because you're trying to prove how good you are and that you know everything and and that kind of stuff. It can be hard to – the hardest thing to do sometimes can be to rein yourself in in anything that you do, especially when you think you're really good at it.
0: That's a great – that's a great point because I've I've had that even throughout this season. Every season I go through those things trying to rein myself in and realize that just because – I know a lot of information doesn't mean I have to spew a lot of information. And I need to be more along the lines of what people want to hear more than I am. He here's what I know. And so, yeah, I think there's definitely a part of that, too. And that that's something I can certainly relate to.
1: Yeah. Uh, That keep it simple. Stupid is a saying for a reason, you know, and we all I mean, every single one of us, myself included, like we all should, uh, you know, adhere to that a little bit more and more. Next up, SFA, 5-4 and four against Central Arkansas. This one uh, will be at home for the Lumberjacks. 4 p.m. on ESPN+. UCA, UCA is 3-1 in conference with its only loss coming last week to Eastern Kentucky. SFA back in action for the first time since that Week 9 loss at home to Utah Tech. Corey, can the Lumberjacks rebound coming off that open week and get some things right? Or is this one of those things where we're so far into the year They're not playing for as much as they thought they were going to, to where you're worried that the wheels might fall off a little bit down the stretch for them.
0: I am worried the wheels might fall off, but not because they don't have anything to play for. They still have every one of their goals that they started the year with in front of them. Central Arkansas, they're, they're an ASUN team. So you win this week and that helps you in the WAC ASUN standings. And then you go beat Abilene Christian now you've got the head to head. So your number, you win a WAC title. And with that WAC title, could easily come the A Sun WAC Challenge. So they still have that automatic bid in front of them. And that large bid is out of the question. So really, it's a question Are the rails going to fall off and are they going to lose these last two weeks? Or are they going to regroup, come forward, get back, and just just come out and play lumberjack football the next? That's what we're going to find out. Now, which one do I think is going to happen? It's Colby Carth. They had a week off. I, it has not been nice around the football team these last two weeks. They were not happy. There is a bad taste in their mouth. And in my opinion, you're going to get a really angry lumberjack team on Saturday. So Central Arkansas and Abilene Christian better get themselves ready for these next two weeks.
1: Is that going to be enough? Because, like, for me, it's never seemed like a problem of motivation. You know, like a Colby Carthel team always plays hard. Like that Sam Houston game we were at, they always they play hard. I just worry about that defense. And if, you know, 14 days is enough to fix some of the schematic stuff and and the, the assignments and just the lack of communication on the back end, I just don't know if you can fix that in time under a first-year defensive staff or if that's something that, you know, takes the offseason to really address.
0: You know, I'm not as worried about the defense really? as
1: I am the special teams. Yeah, that's true. That's because, another thing.
0: Because each of the last two weeks or two losses they've had, Sam Houston and, and Utah Tech has been pump blocked, punts blocked that have resulted in touchdowns. And Colby Carthel it prides himself on special teams. We talk about it all the time, but special teams has been a killer for the Lumberjacks this year. So that's really the part, and not just uh, – they're a weird special teams unit because they get punts blocked, but then you've got Xavier Gibson who could return anything, and you know, he's done that really well this year. It, it's almost like it's the little things. Can they execute every little part of a field goal? It, its It really is in the details for their – and maybe in some way it's in the details for the whole team with yeah. the offense and the defense, just – Every play, running your assignment, doing your job, it, that hasn't happened all the time for SFA. And if they can put that together, and now's the time to do it, they got a chance to make a run and went into the dance, anything can happen from there.
1: Yeah, because, I mean, they're talented enough. You don't want to play SFA if they get into the playoffs. That's not going to be a matchup that you want. you know. And no. being an underdog once they get there, if they do get there, I think that plays really well into Colby Carthel's hands and into that program's hands. They'd probably rather fly under the radar with how many expectations they had coming into the year. Uh, But it does feel like this is kind of a make or break. I mean, it is a make or break week for them. Um, And we're going to learn a lot about what that program feels like behind closed doors with how they play um, this week. Let's get to some meaningful, meaningful football. Not that it's not all meaningful, but when it is one and done, winner go home, uh, it gets a little bit more stakesy. Kilgore at Trinity Valley, Kilgore six and three, Trinity Valley eight and one. These are the SWGC FC semifinals. Trinity Valley won the first meeting on October 22nd, 24 to 14. Kilgore led that first meeting seven to nothing at, at halftime. Trinity Valley stormed all the way back, scored 24 points in the second half and racked up 525 yards of total offense in the win. Corey, Corey, does Kilgore have a shot at pulling this upset? And if so, how do they do it?
0: Kilgore definitely has a shot. Uh, they're going to need to play a complete game. Trinity Valley has been playing complete games, offense and defense. The Cardinals are are, are really good. They're really solid, but this as well. And Kilgore had them on the ropes. The key in these games really is who can have the least amount of mistakes. You know, here we are. In the SWJCFC semifinals, and all four teams are in the top nine in the country. Yeah. You know, and, and this is what I love about this conference—they beat each other up for ten, and then they go, "Okay, guys, we're going to beat each other up again for two more." And and if you can survive, you have a chance at a national title. You know, <laughs> that's that, that's what gets, this conference has got to be one of the most brutal of any level of football. And Kilgore, like the defense, what they did last week is really impressive, but we've seen Kilgore be impressive at times and then not be impressive. So it it depends which Rangers team do we get. If we get the good Rangers team and the Cardinals show up playing like they have been for the last eight or nine weeks, it's going to be one. It's going to be brutal. First off hard hitting and a lot of fun to watch.
1: Yeah. I think the uh, quick start. Is something Kilgore needs. They can't, you know, they can't go into halftime down, you know, by multiple scores or anything like that. Um, And then, you know, I think the thing that works in Kilgore's favor is it's hard to beat a good team twice, you know, especially a rival, one that you're familiar with, uh, the coaching staffs are familiar with each other. Uh, Beating a team twice is always hard. That team that lost always has added extra motivation. So I'd imagine Kilgore comes out with a fast start. It's up to Trinity Valley to kind of weather that and then allow the talent to kind of win out over four quarters.
0: Yeah, and you've got Trinity Valley, you know, you've got the team that lost in Kilgore, and you mentioned, hey, they got a little more motivation. The team that won, they don't. Right. Right. So so like you've got to fight that whole the motivation on that side. They've got to come with the same preparation and level of focus and intensity that Kilgore is gonna come with. And Kilgore that game was at Trinity Valley. There's nothing that's gonna surprise Kilgore this week. They know the atmosphere. They know the field, any nuances you have, they know it all. This is a really, really tough game for Trinity Valley, in my opinion.
1: Yeah. I mean, cause if you're Trinity Valley, you can look up be down 14 to nothing and not know where that happened at because Kilgore just comes out with intensity and motivation that you don't have. So yeah, I think that's a great point. You have to match that and that's up to the coaching staff, right? Like I'd imagine the coaching staff all week is preaching that like, Hey, Kilgore is coming for revenge. Where is your motivation? What are you going out there to play for? Um, and so, uh, yeah, a, a big week for the coaching staff, because when you have beat a team before, I think the the common human nature thing is we're just going to go out and do the same thing again. And each football game is different. There's a lot of variables. It's not a video game. You know, it's not just on, played on paper. And so uh, a big one coming up at the JUCO level in the state. Speaking of a JUCO game with a lot of importance, that is not the only game in the state involving a, a playoff team here. Navarro at New Mexico Military Institute also on Saturday in the semifinals, MMIA, or I can never get the abbreviation right with that. (laughs) Like it always messes me up with the NMMI. Won the first meeting 40 to 35, but it was way back September 10th. Navarro six and one since that loss. Corey, how much, you know, we just talked about kind of rematches, right. And how, you know, that one was October 22nd between Kilgore and Trinity Valley. So there's familiarity there. But if you're one of these coaching staffs, do you just throw away the September 10th game and just not even look at it as much of a, a real deal? Because both of these teams feel like completely different programs than they were back in September.
0: Because it can serve as motivation for Navarro and a warning for New Mexico. You know, that's really what this can come down to because that game back then, it was on ESPN+. Plus. It was the first time New Mexico military had been really challenged this year. And and Navarro was up on them and up on them big. And so that could be a warning to, to NMMI. Like, Hey guys, remember this team had us on the ropes at our house earlier. Again, they've both, these are rematches of the same locations too. Right? So now Navarro, you want to show them that and go, guys, if we don't make these mistakes, we can win this game. And that gives them, that confidence right there. And, you know, for the kind of the overconfidence portion, I, I kind of relate that to uh, my six-year-old when, when Gabe plays soccer after every game, he always says, who are we going to beat next week? <laughs> well, that, that's a lot of confidence, man. And <laughs> so you, you gotta maintain that focus. And for all of these teams, honestly, all four of them, it's hard for Trinity Valley and New Mexico military, for their coaching staff because they're playing for a national title yes. you keep winning you're going to win another national title
1: and for those who don't know weird things happen out at mmi you know uh it's Ooh. where Ros- roswell is you know like they're located in roswell so it can get it can get a little weird out there and do you know what the name of the what's that sorry he broke up
0: do you know what the name of the stadium is
1: is it like the wool bowl or something like that? It is. Yeah. It's the wool bowl. So yeah. you're in Roswell
0: in a wool bowl. Yeah, yeah. That, you know, it gets a little bit uh, touchy out there sometimes.
1: Yeah. Yeah. No, hundred percent, hundred percent. Yeah. I mean, this one feels like another one where, you know, a quick start's important. If, if Navarro goes behind big early, they don't have a chance, you know, their, their only shot is to kind of do what they did in the first game, but then just hold on, you know, build a, build an early lead, get out in front, and see if you can kind of ice the game away. I think
0: both teams – yeah, you're right, both teams. Navarro needs to get ahead. Kilgore needs to get ahead. And then the question becomes from the – if they get off to the fast start, they have a real good chance, but can they hold on? That's going to be the big question this week, and and that's the one that's going to make this so much fun. These are going to be brutal. These guys hit so hard, all four of these teams – they're going to wake up Sunday morning hurting every suit, maybe even the mascot because they might get hit at a time or two. It is going to get violent on that football field Saturday.
1: Yeah. I mean, Juco football is a different beast altogether. You know, <laughs> like, like some of those teams, they're good. You know, like <laughs> there's some talent down there, right? This isn't just walk on. Like, you know, we're just trying to find a, a way to finish off our football career. Like these are guys with, with big time college aspirations, um that for whatever reason sometimes you know ended up at a juco or whatever but um yeah there's gonna be some hitting going on there's gonna be some snot bubbles because it's gonna be cold this weekend for the first time in a while (laughs) like it's gonna feel it's gonna feel like real football for the first time in the state of texas this weekend a lot of matchups across the state i you know i wanted to ask you do you have a like i'm a g like i cover fbs football for the most part right but i'm a g5 guy like give me I will take a big-time G5 football game over a big-time P5 football game all, all day. Give me UTSA North Texas over Texas TCU if I can pick it, right? For you, what is your – do you have a sweet spot for what you prefer to cover or what your favorite brand of football is to go watch? This is going to surprise some people because I'm, I am I do. I
0: have uh, my – what I enjoy, would look forward to the most. And, and it's not just like – this is nothing to do with teams – as more as it does with parody, kind of level right. talent along the way. So FCS is, I love watching FCS football. It has really gotten good the last few years. Really some big time football. I love JUCO football.
1: Yeah, I do because
0: too. it it is a high level. You have multiple Division one players, multiple guys that will be at the big Power Five schools. They're getting offers all the time, and not only that. FCS schools. I mean, these teams are super talented and the level of play down there is just tremendous. It's also violent and also volatile sometimes with tempers. Yeah. The other thing with Juco. Uh, And then from there, it kind of, I like D two football. It's a really good level D three. When you're watching a good D three game, if you get, you get a Mary Harden, Baylor, Harden, Simmons, Howard Payne playing each other, a Wisconsin whitewater, that rivals any of the best football games that you're going to see at any level. And and then, you know, I do, I do like the NAI. It has been fun to kind of watch some of the Texas Wesleyan games. It's harder to find some of these games to watch, but it's the talent level is pretty good at the NAI level as well, but it's that parody level. When you're talking D3 NAI, the bad teams are so bad that the games are unwatchable. At D2, you may get one or two of those. At FCS, even if the game is unwatched, you still have Lindsey Scott putting up seven touchdowns, <laughs> right. and 70 points in the first half. And you're like, how in the world are you doing this? You know? So it's just that that's my favorite level right now.
1: Yeah. I and that I, could change next year. I look at uh, D three football a lot like high school basketball, where the top of the top's really good. Uh, but there can be such a separation between the haves and the have-nots that you can get a lot of games that are useless. You well, know? We
0: ta- yeah, we should take a minute to actually kind of kind of hit on that a little bit. You've got the haves, the Harden-Simmons, the Mary Harden-Baylors, the Howard Paynes. I'm going to throw the East Texas Baptists in there, right? That That's plural, by the way, East Texas Baptists. Uh, that's <laughs> official. Um, so those teams are about to be off on their own. The yeah. American Southwest Conference is about to be down to those four, five teams if Sol Ross hangs around, because now there's word that Sol Ross has been interested in D two, but maybe a little more interested after the announcement last week about the NC coming back. So there goes Austin College, there goes Southwestern, McMurray's joining them, you know. So and and those teams are in Texas Lutheran. There, those teams are more like my That that's the thing I think we got to look out
1: for here it's going to be interesting going forward all righty that will do it for us for mike craven for Corey Hogue, for dave campbell's texas football texasfootball.com we will talk to you next week